Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. Fringe family, um, just wanted to come to you. We had an interesting Sunday just gone where um, I brought a message which was rather challenging and, and um, we may have broken the church a little bit with it. Um, it's very rare. I don't, it might be the only time I've ever given a message where there's been silence, complete silence afterwards and you could have cut the air with a knife. Um, yes, it was a bit confronting to, to deal with some of this stuff, but I think it needs to be said. We base this passage around Romans 6, and Romans 6 is a very important passage. You see, Romans is this letter which is written, which is so compact and so condensed with theology and everything. It was like this letter which Paul thought he could see the end coming, and he wrote everything he could to about the gospel and, and how we should live and all this stuff, and condensed it up and sent it out as a, a last stand, a last hurrah. So Romans is incredible incredibly powerful book and we're focusing on Romans 6 but Romans 5 was all about salvation um, and that it's only of God's grace that we find salvation and, and let me get this out front because some of the stuff I'm gonna say can make it lean towards a workspace but that's not what I'm saying at all, to say that uh, God's salvation um, is of workspace is nothing but heresy. I would never say that. That's not where I'm going. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about our works and about uh, what we meant to do in response, how we're meant to respond for God's love and God's grace in us. Because when Romans 6 is one of the things which comes up after we talk about how grace is through salvation. And it is, um, if it is all about grace, what does it matter how we now live? You know, you see that in, in Romans 6, it, it talks about, um, shall we continue to sin? Because that way grace will also more abound in lives. And honestly, today I think a lot of... Christians still live that way. You know, um, I get frustrated and I, I, I don't know, mourn the church a little bit from time to times when um, I know it's tough out there, okay? I, I know churches and a lot of churches are caught up in this system where it's so hard to change and so hard to get out of because you need to pay the bills for, you know, you need to have all these things and all the expectations of worship music being spot on and good coffee and whatever, which gets, can get in the way of some things. And, um, you know, I go to a lot of churches. I love church and I feel at home in pretty much any church, but some of the churches, and, and it's very difficult. I presume I would be in the same shoes. So I, please, I'm not having a dig, but I go to some churches and there was one recently where there was a couple of people I spoke to who 
in this church, a beautiful church, but but they had uh, someone who'd been going there for three years who didn't know anyone in the church, who, who no one really spoke to who went to that church. How does that happen? You know, I, I find it so hard. And yes, it's easy for one person to disappear in a church where there's hundreds of people. I, I understand that and I get that. If they don't stand out or step up or move forward, you know, if, if all they ever do is because of their anxiety or their problems or whatever has just come and sit, it's so easy to overlook them. But as Christians, we need to push past this. You know, there's one church, there was one person who's three years, one person five years, who, who I don't know, I'm drawn to them. I, I sat down and, and spoke to them, but the people didn't know them. And that, that really saddened me. There's another one where this couple I know who've got a, a rather ill child and they go to a church and um, they love going to church. They're faithful, beautiful family. Um, and, uh, you know, because of the illness of their child, they find themselves caught sometimes that they can't engage with church world as much as I'd like to. And yet they invite people to come to their church, to, to their home, to have a meal, to have fellowship. And yet again and again and again, they're denied that. And, and I understand, you know, they're busy with church world. And particularly if you've got a big church, there's a lot of things to do, a lot of finances, a lot of stuff. Um, I don't have that. Fringe Church runs on a shoestring budget and there's not a lot of us. So <clears throat> I have the opportunity to have a very personal relationship with everyone in the Fringe Church and I get to spend time with them and get to know them and that is an absolute blessing. But I do wonder where this has come from. And I think, I have a suspicion that it's from this Romans 6 kind of thing. Being a follower of Christ is not just making a one-off decision. It's, it's not having two lines, one going to hell and one going to heaven, and, and you're in the line going to hell, and every now when you say, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ, I'm going to swap and go to the other lane now and go to heaven. There's more to it than that. So much of Christianity and, and of today's church world can make it all about this one-off decision. Yes, that is salvation, but there is more to it. And we need to be new people for what has happened in front of us. Again and again and again, the Bible talks about us being a new creation, having our heart of stone turned back into flesh. You know, and I don't see this enough. I really worry and mourn the church when I see so many people who make that one-off decision and it doesn't affect their life outside of church. When they continue in the same life patterns, when, when everything is exactly the same, except now they've made this decision for Christ and they've swapped lines. You know, Matthew 7.21 uh, talks about where Jesus is confronted with some stuff and it says, Depart from me, and it uses this word iniquity because of the iniquity. And iniquity means the lawless ones. You know, these guys believe they were Christians. And he says, depart from me because of the iniquities. They never knew him, he says. You know, and, and that's just this powerful, horrific idea that, that 
if I thought I'd swap lines, you know, I'd made this one-off decision, but yet nothing in my life changed. And I continued to to embrace sin, to go after sin, to, to follow these things. Then that iniquity, the lawless ones, you know, Jesus did come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And, and we should be also trying and we will fail we will mess up but that doesn't mean that our lives shouldn't be changed by what christ by what god has said this is the best way to live how many people go to your church to 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 churches around you where where their life does not change under that grace of god and again, I stress salvation is not by works. That's that's heresy, heretical to say. But you are a new man. My question to you is, what does he look like? Is there discipline in your life? Let's have a look at Romans 6. Shall we say that? Shall we go on sinning? So the grace may increase. By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him, this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So answer me this. How can we die to sin, yet still live in it? What we're talking about here is sanctification. Sanctification comes after you make that one-off decision, and it takes you from that point to the moment you die to be sanctified, to be fully sanctified, to be sanctified as becoming more like Christ and becoming more in the ways of Christ. Salvation, I, I, I read this, you know, I love those signs which people put up outside the church i'm just drawn to them with all these things which are said which are great i put one up this morning which i saw which was something like um 
Uh, we're doing pet blessings the, this Sunday and a barbecue afterwards. And I, it just got me. I love this stuff. But these these church sayings and things at the front, you know, which which are absolutely great. And, and um, I really enjoy them. But I see one every now and then. And I saw it recently sent to me. And it was in the States, I think. And someone sent it to me. And it said, salvation is so easy that anyone can do it. It's incredibly frustrating. Salvation is so easy that anyone can do it. No, salvation is impossible. Salvation is uh, impossible for us to achieve. It's to us to achieve salvation means we need to live a life which is perfect from the moment you're born to the moment you die. The only other way is grace. And grace is because of what Christ paid for us. We don't, you know, you've got to get your head around what Christ actually paid. We, we see these movies and shows and we wear crucifixes around our neck. But... Are our lives changed by the gravity of what actually happened? We, it's more than just a man suffering on a cross. He went to hell. He bore everything which we did. He bore our sins. He carried that. And that is amazing, incredible, horrible, and beautiful all at the same time. See, what you've got to understand is it takes more than just a decision to come to Christ. You see, what we've got to understand is that we were spiritually dead to God. You know, when spiritually dead, like, like think about this. If, if you had a corpse laying in front of you and, and, and you went up to him and said, hey, you know, um, what are you doing there? We need to get you an ambulance. We need to get you help. They can get you going. We can sort these things out. Uh, will you get up? Will you come with me? Let's go get you the help you need. What are you doing? Do you want to be dead all your life? You know, it. nothing will happen. There's a problem. There's a problem is that they're dead. And this is where God's grace and God's power comes in. Before anything we say or anything we do, which will bring around conversion or bring around people to change lives. Something has to happen. God has to change their heart from one of stone to one of flesh. One which is a capability of responding to to our to what we're going to say, to the Bible, to the scripture, to anything. Because we were spiritually dead. And a dead man can't respond. You know, our whole model of evangelism, I think, is wrong. Our whole model of evangelism, I think, is wrong. Because when we preach, when we get out there and we're, we're, we're trying to bring people to Christ, we forget what we're doing. It's not out there saying some little catch cry or whatever to get people to make that one-off decision. But we are standing in a valley of dead bones. We've got nothing. We are standing in this valley of dead bones. And God is saying to you, Sue, so do you think these bones can live? 
But God needs to do something first to make those bones flesh again before anything we say has got anything to do. It's not about getting other notches on your Bibles. It's not about this. Conversion is about making the dead live again. We forget that. You need to understand when you preach the gospel, you are standing in a valley looking at dead bones saying, calling on God to make a difference, for him to change those bones back to life so there's life living in them. And that new creation comes from that. And that new creation should be different to what it was when it was the dead bones. Do you get what I'm saying here? I know I'm passionate about this stuff, but God is looking at people and saying, can these dead bones live? Only then can they call about on salvation and start the process of sanctification. Salvation is nothing but a spiritual, supernatural work of God. Nothing to do with us. And men here, men's hearts are stone. We need to bring them back to flesh so they can respond to our words. And God needs to do that first. Being of, you know, it talks about being of Adam and, and the sin we're born with this thing inside of us, which is um, a deficiency. Uh, we're addicted to sin. We've got this thing, this sin which lives inside of us and sin which is in our lives. And they talk about the last Adam of Jesus Christ who can redeem us and bring us back to life. He swaps that heart of stone for one of flesh. One which can respond to Christ's love, to God's grace. And in Romans, we see that again and again. Should we sin? No. For our life, our hearts are made anew. They're alive again. Why would you want to go back to that valley of bones? You're a new creation living at it. One of the things I said, and I, and I, um, I think shocked people a little bit, is, is, is I put, talked about my conversion, my conversion into um, an analogy, which I think was part of what shocked people was my past it's not great. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of the things I've done before I came a Christian. And I put it like there was a bucket of filth, this bucket of putrid, wretched, horrible stuff, which is sin. And I used to bury my head in it and eat it and love it and devour as much as I could. And then when Christ came into my world, when my heart changed from one of stone to one of flesh, I could not palate that stuff anymore. I could not get that flavor out of my mouth fast enough. 
And I'm not saying that that's it, that I don't sin, that we don't mess up. You know, every now and then I'll wake up and my head will be back in that trough, back in that bucket, eating that wretched, horrible stuff. But tell you what, there's something changed inside me that I can't stand that taste anymore, that I got to get out. So why don't we walk in this newness of life? I can tell you what it looks like for me being a new creation. So let's say um, I'm heading off to church on a Sunday and I'm getting my sermon written and I'm getting everything sorted and packing the bags of everything I need and, you know, making sure I'm ticking the boxes. We've got all we want and all we need. And, and, um, trying to get out the door in a hurry and doors not opening and things, everything's going wrong and falling apart. And, and, um, I don't know, one of my kids or something asked me to do something. My wife asked me to, um, make the kids some lunch and I'm like are you serious I'm running late everything's going wrong I really need to get out there I should be there already I don't have everything organized why 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 do I need to do this I can't I don't have time and I'll storm off you know get in the car and drive off and race off to where I need to be and think the whole way how dare she and I would feel righteous and then God touched my life and changed my life and what that looks like now is the same situation I'm running late for church everything's going wrong I can't find the bits I need and I'm running around the house trying to pack it up and my wife says to me can you please feed the kids And now I'm a new creation, my response would be. Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. I'm running late. Why do I have to do this now? I'm really struggling. Everything's going wrong. Can't you see that? Can't you please just feed them? I don't have time for this. And I'd race out the door, get in the car and drive off. And then it would hit me. This thing inside me has changed. The guilt and shame, the the pain, this, this thing inside me would hurt. I would pick up the phone and I'd call my wife and say, hey, I'm sorry. I understand that you were under stress too, that there was a lot going on. I shouldn't have spoken that way. I shouldn't have reacted that way. You know, I did this a week or two ago with one of the guys at church. So they they were saying some things which weren't great. And 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 what I said, I, I still, you know, um, don't think I particularly said anything wrong, but the tone I said it in, the way I said it, my response was from the stuff which I'd been dealing with for the last couple of weeks, which was putting pressure on me and make it feel dark. And I snapped and said some stuff. But it's... You know, I walked away and, and half an hour, an hour later, this this guilt, this shame came on me. He says, that was not godlike. That was not Christ-like. What are you doing, you idiot? So I apologized. That's what it is to be a new creation. It doesn't mean that you won't sin. It doesn't mean that you won't wake up sometimes with your head still stuck in that trough. But something in you has changed. You're a new creation with that heart of flesh. You will feel it 
when you step aside. And repentance is when you feel that stuff and you turn away and you do your best not to do it again. And it, by no means is it a magic cure which stops you from doing this. But why is it there isn't we see more of this? Why do we see people in church who come in there on a Sunday and sing and pray and yet go back to their life, which is completely the same as it was before they knew Christ? Where is that new creation? Let's walk in the newness of life. We are a new creation. Start living as one today. Be dead to sin and alive to Christ. Do not believe the lies that you are a victim of sin. This is no more. You are dead to it. And when it says you are dead to sin, it means that it doesn't mean you're infected, you're, you're sick, you're whatever. If it wanted to say that, it would have said it. It says you are dead to sin. Sin does not have a hold of you anymore. The message I wanted to get out is be and believe what you you are a new creation made under Christ. What is dead is now alive and those things have no grip on you anymore. Start living that way and present yourself as a living sacrifice for God. It's okay. We're not perfect. And grace covers us. But for God's sakes, try. Maybe those people in that church who you walk past every weekend will start to affect you and you'll say, I want to know them. I want to talk to them. I want to love them. I want to encourage them. Maybe you'll start engaging with the the homeless issues out there or or whatever but you are alive you are a new creation start believing it and living like it a real converted church member i use this analogy to final things finish things off and it was, um, let's say you're a, um, I don't know, mathematician. And um, there's, you, you're going through uni and, and studying your, most of your life and, and, and you're getting your doctorate and, and you, know, you come into your last and final exam and the professor looks at you and says, you know what? You've been studying this most of your lives. You guys are fascinated by maths, right? You all get an A. You all get an A. Let's not do the exam. Let's just sit down and enjoy the material and get to know and explore these equations and the beautiful concepts and the eternal dance of these figures in these maths problems. 
and be a joy which rises up inside of you thinking i've got an a and i don't have to do the test this is brilliant let's explore this and you get excited to be able to sit down with your professor relax and enjoy what the textbooks say and explore these numbers and and everything which is of beauty to you but in the same class there were some guys who were um i don't know uh economists and the economists are in the class and they're sitting in the same thing they, they sit there and they say uh, you've got an a you don't have to study anymore you've got an a you're through you've spent all your time working on this the the mathematics you're through forget about it you've got an a and these economists would think really i've got an a this is brilliant they'd get up walk out the room and probably throw their textbooks in the bin this stuff of God, this stuff of scripture, this stuff is so, should be so pleasing and beautiful. And this eternal dance and this incredible stuff, which we have the opportunity are invited not only to explore, but to live. You've got an A. You're going to throw the textbook in the bin. Or do you want to explore this stuff with the people around you? There's so much more to a life with Christ than a one-off decision. And you should be a very different person for what Christ has done for you. And I'd like to think that if you're not that new creation, if you're still going back and living the life which you used to before you met Christ and are devouring that sin and got your head in that bucket and enjoying yourself, something is horribly wrong. I know this is a bit of a confronting message and I've tried to shorten it down a bit, but I think it's a very important word for the church. If you're a follower of Christ and your life is completely the same, something is horribly wrong. How can you not have the grace of God and be a new creation without it being shown externally? I hope this challenges you in all the right ways. I hope this shows love I hope it's not coming across as condemnation because it's not meant to I just mourn so much of our church and so much of the things going on out there because I don't see that new creation so often and I think if we did the world would change I don't want to hear that depart from me because of your iniquity, because of you lawless ones that I never knew you. I want to see a catalyst for change in the community, in the churches, in the world around us. Because we are what God says we are, a new creation in Christ. When I gave this message on Sunday, I looked around the room afterwards and there was dead silence. 
lot of people's jaws were on the ground. <laughs> I think something broke in me and I think something broke in them. I pray that it was good. I pray that it changes lives. But I think this is an important message which I just needed to share and get out there again to the bigger community. Read Romans 5 and 6. Play with it. Let it sit with you. And believe what it says that you are a new creation who is dead to sin. Uh, look, my name's Ron Hutchinson. I'm a reverend. I run uh, the Fringe Church. I've been looking after the Fringe Church for many years. We're an 18 plus church. People coming out of prison, substance abuse, mental ill health. Really, one of the only rules is that no kids allowed. Um, because people can be raw and real. Sometimes the language is colorful. Um, sometimes it looks more like an AA meeting than it does a church and it's all good. If you know people who need that sort of help or need that sort of place to find home, send them to us. We're based in Redcliffe love to help. If you're part of another church who is, uh, uh, would like to partner with us and help us to, to reach those guys who find it so hard to find homes in other churches, please reach out. We would love to help you help them. It's a hard message. Bless you all. Hope to talk again soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please, don't forget to sign up to thebarackcenter.com or thefringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today. <laughs>